know it gets better Even in the rain, you gotta keep your head up I let her tell it, she said she fed up I'm like, whatever, when she mad, the sex better I put the diamond on your fish, Rockefeller I put the me to you and now we here together You're the only girl for me You're the only girl I need, yeah Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 314 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm just asking you to hear me out. <laughs> yeah. I know I'm a big advocate. In fact, I even said this last episode of the podcast. I said that usually if a star quarterback and a or star player and a coach are at odds nine times out of ten the coach is gone we just saw this with trey young and nate mcmillan we see this a lot well (laughs) there was a report that came out saying that russell wilson asked for pete carroll to be fired from the seattle seahawks um now 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 here's the thing i usually and usually like i said when a star player and a coach are at odds nine times out of ten they go with the 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 player because the coach is more replaceable than a player you can't I mean, you can replace Nate McMillan. Well, you can replace Steve Kerr. You can't replace Steph Curry. That's just not what we're doing here. Here's the thing. This is a different situation. This Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll thing, that's a different situation. Um, You have to first, okay, so you have to understand the history of the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks haven't really seen that much success until they got Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. Now, usually this wouldn't be that big a news. You know, Russell Wilson, who is not even on the Seahawks anymore, wanting his coach fired. That's usually not a big deal. We've seen that on several occasions. We've seen that with other star football players. Um, What was different is this. While, yes, you you can't – there's no question that Russell Wilson is was a star in Seattle. No question that he was one of the best quarterbacks in Seattle. But let's go back to that Super Bowl run, or let's go back to the championship or the Super Bowl that they won. There was no doubt that – Seattle was the better team against the what, the Broncos. They left no doubt. But there was doubt about how and why they won that Super Bowl. There were some people that said that it was Russell Wilson and, and how he was able to create offense. But majority of the people, including myself, says that the re- one of the biggest reasons why they won that Super Bowl was because of the defense, the Legion of Boom. Hell, one of the defensive players, I think Michael Smith or something, won the Super Bowl MVP that that year, that game. 
So you win a Super Bowl, one Super Bowl, by the way. You get to a consecutive Super Bowl. However, of course, we know how they lost. There has not been a... There's never been a moment where you can definitively look at the Seattle Seahawks and say that the success is because of Russell Wilson. Now, now, now. I know you're going to go back to my videos and say, well, Jalen, you've been a big fan of Russell Wilson, which is true. And you said that Russell Wilson was a big was a Band-Aid for a lot of problems that the Seattle Seahawks had, which is true. So in that sense, yes, Russell Wilson did cover up and was one of the biggest reasons why the Seattle was was successful. However, what you can say is, or now the question is, what is successful? You're talking about a team that went to two consecutive Super Bowls, 1-1, and hasn't been back since and, and didn't even get close to getting back. Not to mention, Pete Carroll is a Hall of Fame coach. Even if you don't get, even if he doesn't make it to the Hall of Fame for what he did for the Seahawks, he's definitely making it to the Hall of Fame for what he did for USC. So when you have a co when you have a player that's not really beloved in the locker room by coaches by players and don't get me wrong Russell Wilson is a really good player I think this year or last or last season was more of a outlier than anything because if you look at the the body of work that is what we saw last year how bad he was definitely does not mirror what we've seen for the entirety of his career. So, yes, I think that Russell Wilson's good. But you haven't done anything to hold cachet. You haven't done anything to make an organization think to themselves, well, Russell Wilson might have a might might be onto something. Let's get rid of Pete Carroll. Because again, coach, p former players aren't you know he, he Russell Wilson didn't have the the best ref, best rapport for the team or with the team with the coaching staff with his former players. There's not one former player that really talks about him glowingly. Not saying that they just throw him under the mud or throw him under the bus, but they they don't really speak glowingly of him. Again, man, a lot of people like Pete Carroll. I like Pete Carroll. I thought that Pete Carroll could have very easily won Coach of the Year this year for what he did with Geno Smith and that Seahawks team. But uh, you're probably going to ask yourself, People are going to ask myself, well, Jalen, how does this, how was this situation different from the Hawks situation? Well, you know, Trey Young hasn't really done much to attribute to winning, even though Trey Young is a good player uh, and Nate McMillan is a good coach. So what's the difference between this situation and the Nate McMillan, Trey Young situation? The only difference I see is. The Hawks pulled the trigger and fired Nate McMillan. I I don't think they should have fired Nate McMillan. I understand him the the relationship between him and and Trey Young is is rocky. I also understand 
the 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 Hawks have drastically underachieved this year, especially when we talk about the defensive side of the ball. But I don't really know if I want to attribute that to coaching, but because look at look at the team, they only, they really only have one defender, and or two defenders, and that's Clint Capella and DJ. Uh, no, uh, Dejounte Murray, but like the. Trey Young definitely is not a defender. Jonathan or Jonathan John Collins really isn't that much of a defender. So it's like, what are you expecting? Again, there's there's expectations everywhere in the league. Everyone has a, it's not just in the league. There's expectations everywhere. Some expectations are a little bolder than others. Let's say. So there's people in Atlanta that really think that. The Hawks should be a championship caliber team because they got DeJounte Murray. No. I'll just say this, going back and, and kind of concluding with the Russell Wilson trade demand, or no, <laughs> Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll firing. Now, Russell Wilson did come out and say that that's not true. Uh, they just wanted to win. Uh, so it's pretty much he say, she say at this point, but almost a lot of news organizations and meet and sports outlets are pretty much putting their name on this. So usually don't see that unless that is true. Um, yeah, man, you, that somebody's feeding that man. If, if this is true, somebody's feeding Russell Wilson, bad, like, like bad advice, bro. Not to mention, the football culture is different than basketball culture, man. Basketball culture, they'll get a they'll get a head coach out of here quick. Hell, the the Bulls won two three peats with with Jordan and with Jordan Pippen, you know, and and Phil Jackson. And they still let Phil Jackson go. Like, come on now, Bill Belichick. Still is head coaching the the New England Patriots and they ain't won in a minute. So this is a bad. I think that's a bad look on Russell Wilson, especially after what we saw last year. Not only from Russell Wilson, but from Pete Carroll. Like you, it's just not a good look, bro. It's not a good look. And don't get me wrong, I am. Uh, I am one of those people where, again, if a, if a star quarterback or a star player is mad about something or doesn't like a coach, the coach is easily replaceable. The star player is not. However, in this situation, even at the height of the Seattle Seahawks, there was always Russell Wilson and something. Like, you can argue Russell Wilson wasn't the most important part to that cha- to those two cha- – cha- well, to the championship team, it was the defense, and it was the defense that kind of carried them to the second championship. Now they lost that one, but you know, now yes, Russell Wilson was the best player for a while on the team when the Legion of Boom went away. But what did they do in that sense? It was just a lot of numbers, and they didn't do much. So yeah, it's and not to mention Pete Carroll is a Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame coach. That's just that's just a bad look, bro. That's a bad look. And I don't want people to think that I'm like flip flopping my um 
I'm flip-flopping what I'm saying. Like, no. No, I always, again, history has shown more than likely they're going to side with the player more than coach. But this is one of those instances where the player doesn't have much to – doesn't have much merit because not to mention, and like I said, the Seattle Seahawks saw the most success with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. And as we saw last year, they're still good with Pete Carroll. Even with a quarterback that a lot of people gave up and didn't think was that good in um, in Geno Smith, which, by the way, he wasn't that good until he got, I guess, right with the right organization. So, yeah, man. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a good look. <laughs> not a good look in the slightest. Speaking of not a good look, since All-Star break, I've heard a lot of chatter about Nikola Jokic. A lot of it. Um, I've seen media pundits, I'm not going to say any names, of course, but I've seen media pundits talk about how, I mean, right now, Nikola Jokic is leading, like, is is the odds-on favor to win the MVP this year, which will be his third consecutive MVP. Um, and I'm hearing a lot of people say that he doesn't deserve to be the MVP or you saw that he was picked last for the All-Star game uh, when they did the, the roster and everything. So that should show that he's not really MVP. Uh, here's the thing, man. This argument, in my opinion is the Kobe Bryant-Tim Duncan argument to a lesser extent. When we talk about greatness, greatness doesn't come in the same box. Greatness... Steph Curry doesn't dominate the same way LeBron James dominates. Kevin Durant doesn't dominate the same way that that Shaquille O'Neal dominates. Um, Magic Johnson doesn't dominate the same way that Michael Jordan dominated. But there's no question that they are they're great players. Not saying that one's better than the other, but they're great players. I hear a lot of people saying that you know. Nikola Jokic is the worst, at least right now, two-time MVP we've ever seen because he's not he doesn't have the the the, the most flashiest game or because he got picked last in the All-Star game. And he would be the fourth player if, you know, the the lead or the this season continues how it's been, he will be the fourth player in NBA history to win three consecutive MVPs. Let me just put some things into context for you. And this is why I said it's kind of like the Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan argument, in my opinion. Nikola Jokic is currently averaging a triple-double. 24 or 25 points, I'm rounding up, of course, 25 points a game, 12 rebounds, 10 assists. If this holds, 
he will be the first center in NBA history to average a triple-double for the entire season, I think. If, if there is one, I think it's pro- probably Wilt, but I don't think he did. So I think Nicole Yoga should be the first center to average a triple-double for the entire season. Um, when you put Nikola Jokic's stats, career stats, among some of the greatest, like among, you know, Jordan, Kareem, LeBron, you know, put you put Nikola Jokic stats alongside them when we talk about PERs, we talk about uh, usage rate or efficiency rate. He's up there with with names, like I said, like Jordan, like LeBron, like Kareem, like Magic Johnson. You see, Tim Duncan didn't have the flashiest game, Mr. Fundamental. You don't get Mr. Fundamental because you hitting, you know, turnaround fadeaways or you breaking a man down and you don't you don't get Mr. Fundamental because you don't get that name because you you're crossing people over and and doing jelly fam layups no you get that because you have mastered the fundamentals and the fundamentals is what's getting you fundamentals aren't aren't pretty they're effective Kobe and of course rest in peace Kobe Bryant Kobe Dominated in a very loud way. 81-point game. A bunch of 60-point games. He, you know, he'll dunk on you. He had the flashy dunks. I think he won the uh, slam dunk contest. He had the, the flashy shoes. We all know, even before he passed, how popular Kobe Bryant's shoes were. You know the black mamba, the 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 jersey change from eight to twenty four. You know the 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 hair, the 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 haircut. Like Kobe Dom was more of a flashy player, and not saying that in a disrespectful way, but Kobe's points were loud. I've said this before. Kobe's points were loud. He had loud points. But if you look at accomplishments. Kobe Bryant, outside of points scored, Kobe Bryant and Tim Duncan pretty much have the same accomplishments outside of, of course, points scored and rebounds. Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant damn near have the same identical list of accomplishments. But if you're not privy to basketball, you don't know that. And you're always you're gonna think that Kobe just was ten times better than Tim Duncan, but he really wasn't. He just dominated in a different way. He was more flashy. He was more loud with his points. Tim Duncan almost had a quadruple double in an NBA Finals game, I believe, or a playoff game. But that's never really talked about unless you're just a diehard Tim Duncan fan. Nikola Jokic is not the most flashy player in the league, as we know. But I will, atten- I will say this, and I've said this on multiple occasions. 
Nikola Jokic is the most skilled big man the NBA has ever seen. And that is this is an NBA that's seen Hakeem Olajuwon, that's seen Wilt Chamberlain, that's seen Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, that's seen Shaquille O'Neal, that's seen, you know, uh, uh, Dirk Nowinski. Nikola Jokic is the most skilled big man we have ever seen. And while no, he doesn't get his points like a Steph Curry from beyond the arc as, uh, for, or, or as, as flashy as a Kyrie, as loud as, as a John Morant, as strong as a LeBron James, as damn near unstoppable as KD. Nikola Jokic is one of one. And while you can have your feelings and and say, well, I think X deserves MVP or I think Y deserves MVP, Nikola Jokic, if he does, in fact, win his third straight MVP, it is well-deserved. Because don't get it twisted. There's, again, he's not, he's not Giannis. He's not LeBron. He's not Steph. He's not Luca. But they all dominate the game in a in a different way. And that's shouts out to Gilbert Arenas, man. Gilbert Arenas, <laughs> he has a podcast. He does, I think. I think it's on a Fubu TV. Um, I don't know if it's a podcast or a TV show, but I did see a clip about it. Uh, he was talking about errors, and he was talking about how the '80s would have a tough time dealing with today's era as far as basketball players. Same as the 90s. You know, the, the as an era you're supposed to in, you're supposed to increase, you're supposed to get better at whatever. And I think it's very hard. I mean, it's just it's crazy it's just crazy how a lot of people are still questioning Nikola Jokic's legitimacy as a two-time NBA champion. Now, if you want to go back to the All-Star game, right? If you want to go back to the All-Star game, even Nikola Jokic said it. The All-Star game is not for fundamental players like that. The All-Star game is for flashy, loud players. Because the All-Star Game is supposed to be a showcase of talent in a very fun way. Nobody wants to see, you know, back downs and, and, and layups the whole time. No one wants to see beautiful passes on to a, a, a fundamental layup. I don't think that that should take away from the fact of how great Nikola Jokic is. It's just... Someone like uh, John Morant is more valuable in an all-star game than Nicole Jokic. Someone like a like a Zach Levine is more is more important to an all-star game or to an all-star week than Nicole Jokic. Someone like a Jason Tatum is more important to the all-star game than a Nicole Jokic. But trust and believe, if we're playing basketball, <laughs> I'm taking Nikola Jokic over damn near everybody.
just because of everything he can do. And just he's he's probably one of the most, if not the most important player to their team. Yes, you can argue Steph, and we see what the Gold State Warriors looks like with or without Steph Curry. You can argue LeBron James. You can argue Giannis. But the impact that Nicole Yoke, if Nicole Jokic is not on the Denver Nuggets, even though they have an Aaron Gordon, even though they have Jamal Murray, if Nicole Yoke is not on the Denver Nuggets, they go from a championship caliber team because they're number one in the West right now, a championship caliber team to a legit lottery team. That that's how important Nicole Jokic is to that team. So I say all this to say this. I say all that to say this. I think Nicole Jokic is going to win his third straight MVP. And I think that all of them is well deserved. I understand last year you could have possibly given it to Nicole or to Joel Embiid. And I know a lot of people look at the success or lack thereof success in the playoffs. When we talk about Nikola Jokic. But let's not forget that the MVP is a regular season award. And I think that they people like to always compound that award to what we saw in the playoffs. Nikola Jokic is one of the best players in the league and one of the greatest players we've ever seen. Especially when you start putting stats and numbers to it. So, for the people that are saying, like, he's one of the worst. I listen to people like that that say, like, he's one of the worst MVPs or multiple MVP winners we've ever seen. I don't think those people really watch basketball that much. Or at least watch the Denver Nuggets because... It's it's very hard to to look at the Denver Nuggets and look at just how important and how impactful Nikola Jokic is and not think to yourself he's probably the most important player on that or and probably he's the most important player on that four, floor by a country mile. So if and when or if he wins the third straight MVP, of course we'll talk about it, but right now He's averaging a triple-double as a center. And his team is number one in the West by like five games. A West, by the way, that is loaded. And not to mention, the Denver Nuggets don't play that well at defense. Yet they're still number one in the West. Just saying. Let's move forward. Um... Negotiations are crazy. Because, again, and I've talked about this on a couple of occasions, but negotiations are crazy because you you understand where both sides are coming from in a negotiation, but it's always trying to find that middle ground. So the recent reports... out of Baltimore saying that, you know, 
the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson still are pretty far apart when talking about contract negotiations. Um, yeah, they're also saying that he wants the same. No, he wants more guaranteed money or at least close to the same amount of guaranteed money as Deshaun Watson, who, of course, has the most guaranteed money in NFL history at like 230 or something. I look at this situation uh, kind of the same way in a very broad, grander sense. I look at this Lamar situation the same way I look at the Draymond Green situation. Um, In this sense, I think Lamar Jackson is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think that he has a skill set, and he's one of the most, if not the most unique quarterback we've ever seen because of his ability to use his legs as as well as his ability to pass the ball. We've seen, I mean, I know a lot of people try to discredit his passing ability, but come on now. There's, there's, I mean, YouTube works for everybody. Go, Lamar Jackson has an arm. And, but where I compare Lamar Jackson to Draymond Green is Draymond Green's impact isn't as strong on another team or on the Detroit Pistons than it is for the Golden State Warriors because of what he has alongside him with Steph Curry, with Klay Thompson, with, with Andrew Wiggins, with Jordan Poole. Draymond Green is the most successful, in my opinion, the most useful with Golden State and vice versa. Golden State would not be Golden State if it wasn't for Draymond Green. Now, yes, Steph Curry is the best player. Steph Curry is the face of Golden State. Steph Curry is the star. But the the leadership, the toughness that Draymond Green brings to the Golden State Warriors is one of the biggest reasons why they why they have four championships. Lamar Jackson, the Ravens built their offense around Lamar Jackson. And as we saw down the stretch last season, Lamar, the, the Ravens are drastically different without Lamar Jackson in a bad way. The difference were, I think the difference, um, let me say the similarity first. Lamar Jackson's value. No, let me say this. Lamar's Jack, Lamar Jackson's values to the Ravens is greater than any other team because of the amount, the, the, the way that the Ravens have built the team around Lamar Jackson. While Lamar Jackson will be great anywhere, I think. His impact to the Ravens is is would be bigger because, again, that team is built it's like Lamar Jackson is the engine to that team. The car is not moving if Lamar Jackson is not there. Here's where here's where the Lamar Jackson and Draymond Green comparisons differ, however. Uh, 
I think Lamar Jackson will thrive anywhere and could thrive anywhere. I think what the Ravens have done is while they've built a team around Lamar Jackson, they have not built an adequate team around Lamar Jackson. And I can I kind of understand where the ownership is coming from because it's like, well, if we pay you all that money, one one of the biggest complaints is we have been unable to build around Lamar Jackson adequately as well as get a, get like he he is yet to play with a number one wide receiver at least in his prime because people can say what about Deshaun Jackson Deshaun Jackson was once yes a number one wide receiver in some people's eyes but not now Marquise Brown Hollywood Brown not a number one as we're clearly seeing in Arizona Rashad Rashad um Bateman he could possibly be a number one but he got hurt last year and he's young, so we don't know. In a sense, I understand where the organization, in a sense, I understand where the organization is coming from, saying if we pay Lamar Jackson what the, what the Cleveland Browns paid Deshaun Watson or more, that could put us in a very tough situation getting better pieces. And I also understand the league trying to set a precedent saying, yo, we're not going to let the Cleveland Browns, who haven't been really good or haven't been good since Jim Brown, we're not going to let them dictate the market. I get them, the owners trying to say that and the league trying to say that. However, oh, and I also understand them arguing the the concept of well Lamar Jackson has missed the last four, four or five games last two seasons and of course since Mad Dog on ESPN always talks about it you can look at the lack of success in the playoffs for Lamar Jackson and be like why would we pay you X amount of money if you haven't done this in the playoffs which I think is the dumbest ex- here's the thing I also understand Lamar Jackson's side, and I'm and I'm more on Lamar Jackson's side. I'm usually on the player side, but I'm I understand Lamar Jackson's side. Yeah, I haven't. Let's just look at last season. Yeah, I I missed the last four or four or five games, but uh, did you see what y'all look like in the last four or five games? And how we had a perfect opportunity to beat the Cincinnati Bengals if I was there. In the playoffs. But I wasn't. Y'all lost. I also understand. Lamar Jackson's. Lamar Jackson's argument saying. Look I don't care. Which team gave Deshaun Watson. The contract. The contract was given to Deshaun Watson. And I am better. In. Almost every way. Than Lamar Jackson. So I don't. I deserve more than him. It goes back to to the job analogy. Why if 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 your boss is giving out raises and they give a raise to a person that does half the amount of work as you, do you feel you should get the same amount of raises that person or more? Here's the thing, man. Look, the the Ravens should not play hardball and should not be be stingy with Lamar Jackson. 
and that, one thing I don't get, they built the team around the player that they're not trying to pay. It's like why you you built around him so you understand how good and how important this guy is. Why not pay him? And if you think I saw somebody on Twitter say this talking about the owner doesn't have it. Bro, the owner's like a six billion dollar. He's he has six billion dollars. What the hell is two hundred and fifty million dollars to a billionaire? A t- a multi billionaire at that. It's like three percent. Like what are we doing? Lamar Jackson deserves all the money he's asking for because of how important he is to this Baltimore franchise. And for the people that say, well, look at the success he had in the playoffs. Yeah, look at the look at the the Ravens' best wide receiver is Mark Andrews, who's a tight end. Now, he's not a Travis Kelsey tight end. And don't get me wrong, Mark Andrews is great. Mark Andrews is probably the second or third best tight end in the league, maybe fourth. But, no, I'm say second or third. But he's not a Travis Kelsey, who is a clear-cut number one. And on top of that... Travis Kelsey, for the longest, was playing alongside Tyreek Hill, who was a bona fide number one receiver. And Patrick Mahomes. So what I'm saying is this. To me, it doesn't seem smart to play hardball with a player that you've built your, your franchise around. And as we've seen on at least these last two years, the French, the the it looks drastically different, and it doesn't work without said player. The scheme does not work without Lamar Jackson. So why are you playing hardball with a player that the scheme does not work without him? I think my personal opinion. Now again, I've never been on the foot. I've never clearly played in the NFL uh, but my humble opinion is my, my, my opinion probably stays the same as it was last year Lamar Jackson should not step on the field until he gets his or step on the field for the Baltimore Ravens until he gets his contract actually step on the field with anybody until he gets his contract while You can feel how you feel about Lamar Jackson. Um, look at the success that the Ravens had. Bro, he's, he wins 70% of his games, like 75% of his games. And that is without adequate wide receiver help. You're trying to lowball this dude? Again, it goes back to like, uh, it kind of goes back to like relationships and dating. Like, you don't know what you have until it's gone a lot of times. And uh, now you're hearing that the Ravens might like trade Lamar. 
right. I understand that people still argue about who's the better wide or who quarterback, and you know, is Justin Herbert better than Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts? Look here. Jalen Hurts is very talented. Justin Herbert is very talented. I mean, I know Jalen Hurts went to a Super Bowl, but who's more accomplished out of Jason, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, or Jalen Jalen Hurts? That's all I'm saying, man. It just it it is it baffles me, man, that you're playing hardball and you're trying to lowball a player that you've built your whole offense around, your offensive identity around. You can say we stand on defense. Yeah, okay, what did that defense get you in the playoffs? Without Lamar Jackson. Roquan Smith is a great player. Marlon Humphreys is a really good player. Marcus Peters is a really good player. Calais Campbell is a really good player. What did all that really good to great get you in the playoffs without Lamar Jackson? Pay that man. Pay that man. Let's move forward. The, you know, the 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 New York Nick the New York Giants find themselves in a very interesting uh very interesting situation. I am one of the people and and if you look at the success of the league most of the time you build you you secure your quarterback most of the time. Uh and then you, you if you get everything else around him situated. There have been some instances, i.e. the Tennessee Titans, where their best player is not their quarterback. Of course, the best player is Derrick Henry. Same thing as the Indianapolis Colts. Their best player, at least right now, is probably, or at least was, Jonathan Taylor. Um, But the Giants find themselves in a very interesting situation. And... There's cautions on both sides. Now, they have to figure out, are they going to sign Saquon Barkley to a long-term or are they going to sign Daniel Jones to a long-term? They can sign both, but that'll very, very surely mess up like any chance they have of, of building a team around them. Here's the caution that kind of comes with Let's say Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley came off of a bad injury, like a very bad injury. Uh, He was a comeback player of the year uh, candidate last year. He had a great season. And he is the, the, the Giants' best player. He's the Giants' best player. Don't get it twisted. Both sides, even with Dexter Lawrence, he is, Saquon Barkley is the Giants' best player. But with that being said, with him being the best player, he's still a running back. And we know the 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 lifespan that that a running back has. 
Not to mention, and I did talk about Derrick Henry, right? Derrick Henry is the best player on the Tennessee Titans. And, of course, they have got Derrick Henry right. They built around Derrick Henry. Well, when you look at the Titans' success in the playoffs, there is none. They have, like, what, one playoff win against the Ravens that one year? And while, yes, Saquon, I mean, while, yes, Derrick Henry is arguably the best high, uh, running back in the league. Uh, he puts he puts up numbers year after year after year. When he's healthy, he has he has highlight tapes galore. He has stiff arms. He's one of the strongest, biggest, fastest running backs. That has not equated to success, at least on a team level. And now you look with you had Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill might be out of there soon. When you build around a, a player that doesn't have the ball as or when you build around a player like a running back, like a wide receiver, it's very tough to to have success in other areas. While, yes, there's no question that Saquon Barkley is the best player on the Giants and probably the most important player. Once you commit to him with a with a large sum of money, it's tough. And then don't get me wrong, I want Saquon Barkley to get paid. So right now it's either you stay with the Giants or you go somewhere else. But there is a caution. Is Saquon Barkley the P? Look at every team in NFL history that has ever won a Super Bowl. I don't think one of them, maybe one of them, I don't think one of them was built around a. I mean, yeah, you had the Broncos and Terrell da- Terrell Davis, or Terrell yeah Terrell Davis, but you still had Shannon Sharp. You had um, Elway. No, you could have gone the Emmitt Smith Cowboys, but you also had Michael Irving. You also had Troy Aikman. So no, there was not one team. Maybe. Jim Brown, the Jim Brown, Jim Brown, uh, uh, Browns. I think the only team that won a Super Bowl and the team was built around the running back. On the other hand, you have Daniel Jones. Who had his best season he's had last he had his best season last year that he's had in his career. However, we've seen a good handful of games of Daniel Jones to know that Daniel Jones is not a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. Even with Brian Dayball, he is not a championship quarterback. So, do you really build your build your foundation around somebody that's not talented enough to win a Think about it. There's only a couple, there's a handful of quarterbacks in this league that can win you a Super Bowl. And there's a handful of quarterbacks in this league that isn't good enough to win you a Super Bowl, but their team is. For instance, 
Brock Purdy. I don't think Brock Purdy is good enough to win you a Super Bowl. However, when you put Brock Purdy on the 49ers with that defense and that running game and that offensive line, he can do enough to win you a Super Bowl. He's just not – if he is your most important piece – you're not winning a Super Bowl. But if you pair him with uh, Fred Warner, with uh, Nick Bosa, who won Defensive Player of the Year, with uh, Debo Samuels, with uh, George Kittle, with a Christian McCaffrey, with uh, Brandon Ayuk, with uh, Trent Williams, then you have a Super Bowl caliber team. And you just don't need him. You, you don't need him to do a lot. Just don't mess it up for us. Daniel Jones might be in that sense, that area, but the Giants are not that good to say, well, Daniel Jones, we just need you to do this and don't mess it up. The Giants aren't that good. Their best, their best two players is, is what? Saquon Barkley and Dexter Lawrence? Ain't no get wrong. Two really good players, but and, and, and we just talked about Saquon. Like, what, you know? Hmm. And, that, and and what you're hearing is they're prioritizing Daniel Jones before they prioritize Saquon Barkley, which I understand. But I just, to me, it's a, I'm not going to say a lose-lose. It's just, it's, it's, it's whatever bed you're going to make. Do you trust Daniel Jones to make a drastic leap more than what he did this year? Because even though this was his best season he's had with Brian Dayball, the team wasn't close. I mean, the team got smoked by the Eagles three times, by the way. And Saquon Barkley, do you pay a running? Do you? I mean, you know the hell you you want to know the 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 cautions of paying a running back? Just look at the Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott. And now you have reports saying that Ezekiel Elliott like, he doesn't have a market at all. And don't get me wrong, I think Saquon Barkley is incredible and could and is possibly better than Ezekiel Elliott at his prime, but what what what's happening here? So the Giants really find themselves in a tough situation. Um, so we'll see what happens. Speaking of see what happens. The word, oh, there's a word that, there's two words that the league, the NFL doesn't have much of at times. And that is patience and understanding. People want players to be right, right out the box. They want to be able they don't want to be able they, they want to be able to microwave their food and it be five star quality right out the box when we talk about players. I understand to a sense. I mean you're you're spending millions on players. But they expect a player, especially a, a high drafted player, to be ready right out the box. But you see, that's where patience and understanding need to come in. If we're talking about this whole be ready out the box analogy, do you have 
the surrounding pieces to allow it to thrive out the box. If do you just have macaroni and cheese? Like, do you have anything to go alongside this macaroni and cheese, or do you just have a bowl of macaroni and cheese? Craft macaroni and cheese at that. Like, you go to a steak restaurant. Do you only have the steak? Is that it? Like, there's nothing else. You just giving me a a a plate of steak. Nothing else. No mashed potatoes. No Brussels sprouts. If that's what you like. No asparagus. You just give me steak. You see, reports are coming out saying that the 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 Chicago Bears are debating or are, are trying to figure out if they're going to give up on Justin Fields and trade him to get maybe a Bryce Young or get a CJ Stroud, who are the top quarterbacks coming out of this year's draft. Justin Fields was drafted in 2021 as the 11th overall pick to the Chicago Bears. And um, here's the thing, man. You don't know what you have if you aren't if you don't surround it with the right pieces. A, a, a plant will never grow if it doesn't have the right combination of ingredients. You can you can put a plant. You can put, you know, the the fertilizer, you can put the 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 water that it needs, but if it has no sun, it's not going to grow. Vice versa. If you put a plant and don't, you can have the sun, you can have the water, but if it doesn't have the right fertilizer, it's not going to grow. We've seen flashes of excellence from Justin Fields. Justin Fields was one of the best running, running quarterbacks just last season. But you're saying that you can tell that Justin Fields just doesn't have it, right? Just last year, at the end of the season, this is the wide receiver core that he had on his team. Chase Claypool, Darius Fountain, Nikhil Harry, Velas Jones Jr., Darnell Mooney, Dante Pettis, Brian Pringle, or Byron Pringle, Joe Reed, uh, St. Brown, forgot, I don't know how to say his first name, Aquermimus, I know I messed your name up, bro. His brother plays for the Lions, two really good players. Nasimba Webster. Hold on. Give me a second. I'm going to do the 2021 Chicago Bears roster. Wide receiver core. The 2021 wide receiver core. Oh, hell no. Nah. I, ain't, I ain't looking that up. <laughs> Hold on. Give me a second. Boom. By position. Wide receivers. 
All right. I ain't looking that up. Because they keep showing me last year. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to find this. Boom. Found it. 2021. You have Allen Robinson, which, by the way, I think Allen Robinson is okay. It's just, it just didn't work. It just, it just didn't work in uh, the Rams, L.A. But Brian, Daz Newsome, Jesper Horse, Horsed, Jakeem Grant, Marquise Goodwin, Isaiah Kudler, Demary Bird, Rodney and and Rodney Adams. What I'm saying is this. I think it's crazy to think for for an organization like the Chicago Bears to give up on a player and they have not give him given him the adequate pieces around him to succeed. You see, you can say the same thing about Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson is better than Justin Fields. And you see the lack of pieces start to shine for Lamar Jackson when they hit the playoffs. You can see the lack of pieces shine around or the lack of pieces around Justin Fields and the they had three wins, bro. They gave up their best player in Roquan Smith. He's on the Ravens now. So it's just how, what What do you think Bryce Young is going to do? What do you think CJ Stroud is going to do that Justin Fields couldn't for on this roster? Mooney's a good wide receiver. Claypool, he's okay. But what is Bryce Young, who, by the way, is used to playing with top-tier wide receivers in college, what do you think he's going to do in this system that Justin Fields can't do? Again, man, the, the league... Which I understand. There's millions of dollars on the line, and players are coming in year after year after year. But the league does not show. There's a lot of organizations do not show patience and understanding. And what I mean by understanding is understanding exactly what you have. Because it it would be asinine, in my opinion, to allow to trade Justin Fields to get a, a Bryce Young and, and C.J. Stroud. And don't get me wrong. Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, I think, are going to be very good in this league. But I don't see any, I don't see the great Patrick Mahomes thriving with this roster that is the Chicago Bears, not to mention the fact of how bad their offensive line is. In fact, the Chicago Bears is a bad team overall. Their offensive line is horrible. Do you, do you see it? how many times Justin Fields is running for his life? And you think Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud is going to just be better? I wish the league wouldn't just give up. I understand you give up on players and everything's there. 
Like if I don't know. If if Justin Fields was on the Dolphins, I would understand. All right, maybe Abram. Hey, <laughs> you have Tyree Kill, you have Jalen Waddle, you have Mike Desecchi. You have a really good offensive line. You have really good defense. I would understand you pulling the plug on Justin Fields at this point. Like, all right, bro. Something's not right. I would understand you pulling the plug on Justin Fields on the 49ers. You have all that talent around you and you st- and you not that good. Like, oh, okay, bro. We ain't got too much time to just hold your hand. That's that's one of the biggest problems and situations that the 49ers are dealing with the Trey Lance right now. They don't know what they have. Look here. Chicago. Your team's not good enough to just put insert a different quarterback, a younger quarterback at that, and just turn your situation around. I, no. I think Bryce Young is going to be great in the league. I think C.J. Straw can be great in the league. Not great enough day one to turn around the fortunes of the Chicago Bears, especially if Justin Fields, who I think is a really good quarterback, if Justin Fields couldn't do it. And for the people thinking, well, maybe they should just give up on Justin Fields. Again, go take a gander at these rosters, not even just the wide receivers, because I just look at the wide receivers. Look at the offensive linemen and think to yourself, if you put anybody on the Chicago Bears team, is it just if you put Patrick Mahomes on the other side of this offensive line, do you think that he's going? he'll have the success that he has? If you put... Josh Allen, if you put Joe Burrow, if you put Justin Herbert, if you put Lamar Jackson, if you put Jalen Hurts, if you put any of those quarterbacks behind this, the Chicago Bears offensive line, do you think that they'd be as successful or do you think that they would be at or more drastically more successful than Justin Fields? The the player that they're thinking about giving up on after two years? Don't make no sense to me. Let's move forward. <laughs> uh, I was gonna um I was gonna talk about uh load management because I find it found it kind of funny that the day after uh all star break or the games at, yeah the game after all-star break Damian Lillard who did like two things in the all-star all-star weekend Damian Lillard and like Jeremy Grant sat out for rest <laughs> I was also going to talk about you know load management and uh how a lot of people are tanking for Victor Wimanyama. I know I probably said your name wrong, bro. I apologize. And no one ever really talks about the teams that are tanking for, you know, Victor and everything. But two things. What happens if you don't get Victor? And you're doing all this losing for what? Don't get me wrong. Scotty Scott Henderson is pretty good. But is he good enough to just tank a season on 
And what about the player, the team that does get Victor? Do they know how to use Victor? Is he going to be in the right situation to win? Um, what happens, which knock on wood, I hope this doesn't happen, but what happens if he gets hurt? What happens if he turns out to be a bust? I don't hope anybody turns out to be a bust, but what happens if he's less like a Dirt Nowinski KD and more like a Greg Oden? You know? It's like teams go all out for one or two players, but don't I don't know if they really factor in what if they don't get those players. And you or what if they get those players and you don't like what <laughs> like you don't have the structure for those players. It kind of goes back to a lesser extent when Zion, when when they're talking about top star players going to NA or HBCUs. And I was saying, well, yes, that could work. But HBCUs would have to change, and they'd have to be able to harbor a, a, a star athlete like that. Like you, like th- there's a lot when when Zion Williamson was in college. There's a lot that goes into harboring a five star player, a a top player. And I don't know if a t- of a place like Howard can this ha- has the resources to have a top star athlete like a Zion Williamson. Don't get me wrong. I'm not disrespecting HBCUs. I went to an HBCU. But there's perks and there's there's things that probably do the funding that PWIs have, which is more appealing for star athletes or NBA, like top athletes, top recruits. That's kind of like that in the NBA as well. Like yes, I, usually if you're drafted number one and number two, or in the in the top ten, you're going to a bad team. Unless that uh, a team did a trade or whatever, you're going to a bad team. So right now it looks like the Houston Rockets are leading the pack of getting Victor. Victor, imagine like what is what <laughs> you you gonna have what Victor, Sangoon. Jalen, Jalen Green, like, what is that going to, or Kevin Porter Jr., what is that going to do, bro? Come on now. So all I'm saying is this, man. First of all, load management is, is insane, and load management is kind of going off the rails that you need to take, uh, and I'm not just singling out Damon Lillard or Grant, Grant, or Jeremy Grant. They're just two people that were kind of prominent that did it. This low management is crazy, bro. I'm not blaming anybody, like a player or anything. I think it's a lot of things. I think Jalen Rose kind of broke it down pretty well. Uh, go check that out if you want to see it. But load management is is definitely hurting the league, and that's crazy that you come out of an all-star break and needed a day for rest. Now, I also understand that the Portland Trailblazers, their plane was like delayed seven hours and got canceled. Uh, so they probably got back early that morning. But you just, it was just all-star break. And I understand you did the three-point contest. Shouts out for Damian Lillard for winning that. And also his team, or the team that he was on winning the all-star game. But still, still. And it's also, man, what nobody ever talks about the other side of tanking for a player. Like, again, 
what happens if you don't get them or what happens if again lord forbid i don't wish injury upon anybody what happens if he gets hurt or what happens if he turns out to be more like you know a greg odin or a andrea bargnani that's all i'm saying that's all i'm saying Lastly, before we go, I did want to say shouts out to the United States women's soccer team for uh, winning the She Believes Cup for like the fourth consecutive time. Um, women's, for the longest now, the women's soccer team has been the dominant soccer team of the United States, uh, way more than the men's. Uh, and I'm excited to see the women in the World Cup and hopefully they take it home. Uh, I think they're favored to take it home, but, you know, we'll never know. But I do want to say congratulations again to the women's team for winning the She Believes Cup for not the first, not the second, but the fourth consecutive time. So, shout out to you guys. Uh, there you have it, man. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast, and I definitely appreciate you guys. If you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve, joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your unpopular podcast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Get your unpopular podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to every listening. Please subscribe to every watching. It definitely means a lot to me. Uh, go to the TikTok and subscribe. Go to the Instagram and subscribe. All the links are in the description below. It definitely means a lot. I see, you know, I'm finally over 400 subscribers, which I, I truly appreciate all of you guys. Um, and I'm just I'm just trying to continue to grow. And I thank you immensely for that. So until next time, much love. It's a family, not a game. And not a game. Sick of niggas tryna throw dirt on my name. She drinking my cup, no Kurt Cobain. Yeah, Glock be the name, and you know I'm gon' bang. I met me some millions, they think I'm a change. Hey, fuck this fame, man, fuck these chains. Made packs disappear like David Blaine. These bitches be all on my dangle lane. I just bought a new blue panky ring. My heart cold is icebox. Number one rule, get that money, man. I got this shit from Dolph. It ain't no shame up in my game. I'm tryna get it out. This street shit is just not the same. Most of these niggas soft. Uh, I just stay out the way to wait and collect my bread. If you get in my way, you get one in the head. Go dark full of blues. Sippin' on, sippin' on red. Like worm, I'm about my money. money. I smoke your ass like crib. I'm a player, I can show you how to play. Yo, steppin' on niggas, no pledge. Go to sleep with a chop by the bed. All this ice on me, y'all need to sleep. All this ice on me, y'all need to sleep. Think my bar chain need a coat. Get that money and stack it, you did. Nobody like being broke. This street shit ain't no joke. Everybody wanna be rich. You gotta get off your ways and get up on your shit. My mother in the jet. My Maybach is a ship. My pockets keep getting fat. It come from all these chips. Bitch. Right through it like Hear me, boy. Hear me, new chance. Hear me, donkey.